Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. There is nothing like the presence of Almighty God, and He is in this place, and Lord, we're so grateful for your presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. April 23rd. Happy April 23rd. And you're thinking, what is April, what did I forget? What is April 23rd? It's a new day. It's one we've never ever experienced before. It's a new opportunity, but for the Davis family, my name is Jenny Davis. My husband, Lionel Davis, is serving with the children this morning. And our daughter, Imani, which means faith, is in the children's ministry this morning. But on April 23rd is a special day for the Davis family. In fact, technically, as far as we're concerned, April 23rd, 2018 is the day that we became a family. Now, under the law... They said it was February 2nd, 2019, when we went to court and we changed her name and we adopted officially our daughter. But April 23rd, 2018 is when she came into our home to live with us. And we believe at that point is when we became a family. That was the day the Davis family, and not just the husband and wife, but the family, Davis family, was established on... April 23rd, thank you, 2018, five years ago today, five years ago today. And when I think back about uh, when Imani came to live with us and just how the Lord orchestrated everything, I can't help but be grateful. I know you all have moments like that in your lives. You look back and you're like, I can't help but be grateful in this moment because it was nothing but God. Um... When I think back about April 23rd and when it finally happened, we had a child in our home, I think about, I can't help but think about the whole process that led up to that day because it was a long one, it was a hard one, it was an invasive process, and um, it just about took me to the end. So... I need to tell you what I mean by that a little bit. Um, I grew up with my mom and my dad and my brother. And my mom, she had two sisters. So in her family, there were just the three sisters. No, no boys, um, just the three girls. And their last name was Hebrew. I don't mean it was a Hebrew name. Their, their last name was Hebrew, actually Hebrew. And uh, so it was the oldest, Sandra Ann Hebrew, my mom, Nancy Jean Hebrew, and the youngest was Betty, Betty Jane Davis. Sorry, Betty Jane Hebrew. And the Hebrew sisters were known for a lot of things. But the one thing that they were most known for, especially I, I discovered this as I got older, the one thing that the Hebrew sisters had in common, they had a lot of things in common, but this is what they were known for. They were great at worrying. 
In fact, it was such a, um, it, it was so known that they were great at worrying that they, at some point, inherited the nickname of the Worry Sisters. Literally, we would go to family reunions and they'd make t-shirts that had Worry Sister 1, Worry Sister 2, Worry Sister 3. They were just great at worrying. Um, they were great. Has anybody heard of the word uh, a catastrophizer? Like this is something new that has come out. Um, it's the, the person that always makes a catastrophe out of everything. They go immediately to worst case scenarios like their daughter is one minute late coming home and immediately it's like, get on the phone with the hospitals because she must have been in a car accident. Something must have happened to her. You know, it, it, they were just great at worrying. My one aunt, the oldest aunt, she, uh, the oldest sister, her son went into the military. He was in the, or he is in the army still and has spent much of his career overseas in dangerous places. So imagine what that does to a worry sister. Every little thing, if she doesn't hear from him, she's worried. If, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, she's just constantly worried, you know? My mom was constantly worried about, you know, her kids, constantly worried that we were getting good enough grades to get into whatever college we wanted to go to. She was constantly worried about, you know, who we were go hanging out with. I mean, the typical things, but to the extreme. And all of us cousins just knew. We talked about it and we're like, yeah, our moms are crazy. They are complete worriers. They worry about everything. And as I got older, if I'm honest, I can remember, you know, moments where I sort of started to relate to the worry sisters. Just like, I realized, you know, there's, there's a lot of scary things happening out there. There's a lot of scary people. There's, and before I knew it, I kind of had, you know, sort of honorarily become part of the Worry Sister crew. You know, I walk into a room, I'm worried about, you know, how's everybody doing? What are they going to think about me? Am I okay? Did uh, that, that joke I just made, they didn't laugh. I'm worried about that now. Why are they going to think that I'm weird? You know, whatever the case might be, I started worrying a lot. But going back to April 23rd, 2018, that was a great day. But I remember getting to the end of the process, meaning to be approved to become a foster parent. <sighs> All the paperwork. I mean, we have piles of paperwork. We have, um, and then there's even more piles you've, you've complete before the adoption is complete. And then there was the um, background checks that they do on you and the interviews that they do with people that know you to find out is she, is he okay to be a parent. Um, they do credit checks to check all your credit. They check your bank accounts to check and make sure you can afford to raise a child. They, um, so many things. You ha we had to go see a therapist to get the therapist to recommend us and make sure that we were okay to become a parent. All these things. And the anxiety level on the inside, I was, I had become kind of the professional at hiding, or I thought I was, hiding the anxiety, but it was just building up and building up and building up and building up until the last step of becoming a foster parent. That's when they come into your home. And that's where they come in and they look at everything in your house to make sure everything's okay and safe for you to have a child in your home. 
I know. If we had just birthed a child, we wouldn't have had to do any of these things. Like Ruben and Rio, are you, is someone checking your credit to make sure you have enough money in your bank account and that you're responsible enough to raise this Sebastian child? Yes. No, they're not. But we did it anyway. Then again, I didn't have to grow a child on the inside of me and, you know, change my body completely and push it out through labor. Like, I didn't have to go through that process. So, I mean, maybe, maybe we even out here. I don't know. We're not comparing today. But that last step of the process to become a foster parent, whew, I can remember they were coming on a Monday. And so what did we do all weekend long? We was cleaning. Yeah. And it wasn't just the, you know, wiping down the counters and, you know, getting the duster out and getting all the dust. This was like, come on, moms, you know the difference between cleaning and cleaning, okay? Like the deep cleaning and the surface cleaning, right? The surface cleaning is what we do every day, week in and week out. But the deep cleaning is kind of the thing we we pick. We call it spring cleaning. Usually it's like one time a year. But we were even beyond that. This was like moving cleaning, right? You know what you do when you're moving and how much you have to clean. Like Every, we didn't just dust around stuff, right? We moved it all off and dusted everything. We got the pledge out, right? This wasn't just dusting. This was, we got the polish, the furniture on top of that, right? And then, you know, we were scrubbing the floors on our hands and knees. We didn't just pull out the Swiffer and, you know, do the quick mop. We, we were on the hands and knees, everything. We did the deep cleaning. And beyond that, I really had worked myself up because this whole process just um, of becoming a foster parent and people looking into your life and giving people the power to qualify you or disqualify you to become what you've always wanted to be and to have what you've always wanted to have. And now someone else that you don't even know, that doesn't even know you, has the power to qualify or disqualify, approve or deny. And so I was... Like, okay, we got to clean out our drawers. We got to clean out the closets. We got to clean out the garage. Anybody who's seen the Davis garage? Yeah. Okay. All, everything. We got to go out on the deck and sweep it off. We got to make sure, you know, the patio area is clean. I don't want to see a single leaf or speck of dirt anywhere, even outside. We're outside, y'all. I mean, that's where dirt lives, like outside. I was like, I don't want to see any dirt. You know, the lawn had to be mowed in the perfect little lines, you know, and then we had to get the edger out and edge all around the grass to make it look perfect. No weeds peeking up out of the the rock area in front of the house, everything. And I was like, but the drawers, we got to make sure our drawers, like they're going to come in and open your dresser drawers. Like I... But I was paranoid at this point. I was beside myself with anxiety. And I remember Sunday rolls around and we come to church. And I don't even know if I was awake during the service. I I was probably standing up here sleep singing. I don't know. Because I was so exhausted from all that cleaning the days before. But we get home from church and I'm like you know, barely dragging myself, holding my body up because I'm just so exhausted. And I sit down on the bed in my church clothes still, too tired to even change my clothes, you know? And I look over at the wall and what do I see? Behold, there's dust on the baseboards, you guys. We forgot about the baseboards. 
And I am fully convinced that we are about to lose any shot we had of becoming parents because there was some dust on the baseboards. I lost my mind. I'm not proud of this, okay? But I'm going to make a point here. I lost my mind. I I am pretty sure that was my first ever panic attack. And I'm laughing about it now, but it really wasn't funny. Have you been there before in that moment of like, it's all about to come crashing down. All my hopes and dreams are about to be dashed. Like I'm never going to be a mom. The only thing I ever truly aspired to be, I'm not going to get the chance. I already lost out on the opportunity to birth a child myself. So this is our only shot. And it's all about to come crashing down because of some dust on the baseboards. I mean, that's how crazy I had become. Pretty sure I freaked my husband out a lot because I just lost it. My heart was beating fast. I'm sweating like crazy. I'm sobbing because I'm, I'm trying to find a rag to go around the house and clean all the baseboards, but I'm so exhausted I can barely stand up. And... Lionel did the, the thing that every husband, man of God, would do in that moment, and he called my best friend. No, he didn't come pray and lay hands on me or tell me it's going to be okay, give me a hug, grab the rag, and go clean the baseboards himself. He called my friend. But thankfully, he called my friend that prays. And she got on the phone, and she was able to talk me off the ledge and... I let the baseboards go and went to bed. And the next day they came for about 10 minutes and walked, peeked in the room, like didn't even go inside some of the rooms of the house, just peeked their head in and like, okay, looks good. The only thing, the only thing that there was, was, uh, because you get a list of things that you're supposed to make sure, you know, that you do that are required in order to have a foster child come into your home. It's like, you know, the little things, like make sure the, the, the sockets have the little safety things on them. Make sure, you know, um, if you have stairs, you have to have a gate, you know, you make sure you have a bedroom available for them, you know, and, um, those things we did like weeks ago, those were easy, you know what I mean? And, but, and that was literally the only thing. I was so worried when she walked out onto the deck. She literally walked outside. And I remember there was one board that was a little bit soft, you know? And I kept thinking, I was like, she's going to step on that and fall right through or something like This is where my mind was. This is how crazy I had become with anxiety, you know? Um, I had no sense of really reality or common sense in the moment. I had completely lost it. Um, And like I said, she was there for like 10 minutes. She even did peek her head into the garage and didn't say a single thing about the garage. I was like, wow. Um, Because, you know, little ones spend so much time out in the garage, right? You know, yeah. Um, But the whole point being is that I knew that day before I had officially made my decision to become an honorary worry sister. I knew that, you know, all the tendencies that I had, that I had finally just completely given over to it and come into agreement with fear. 
I was like, this is how I'm going to live the rest of my life now. You know what I mean? This is how I'm going to live. We passed the inspection with flying colors. It was no problem. But then becoming a parent comes with a whole nother set of worry and anxiety that I had never known before. I thought I had thought of every you know, worry and concern that there is in life until you have a little person that is completely, like they, they put a strange child in our home and left. <laughs> We've never been parents before. She's three years old. Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, like we hadn't con- even considered the whole parenting part. We were like all consumed with getting the house ready and filling out all the paperwork and going to all the classes that it's like all of a sudden, okay, I have to feed her every day. Like at least three meals, you know what I mean? They want to eat every day, you guys. And sometimes they want to eat all day, but every day. And so here was this whole new set of worries and concerns, and now I was officially dubbed a worry sister. Not because someone else had proclaimed it over me. I was a Christian. I knew what the Word of God said about fear, but somehow anxiety and fear just became a normal part of my life. And so I'm so thankful for the Word last week because the minute he started talking, I was like, this is my day. This is it. I, I could not wait for him. I mean, there were so many times I'd almost jumped out of my seat just to come up to the altar because I was like, we talked about fear last week in case you weren't here. Pastor John preached us a message on the spirit of fear. Mm. Go back and watch it if you didn't. But I really feel in my heart that this is like going to be a little bit of a continuation on from last week. But I would just want to ask this morning before I get really started here today, who is here that is truly free from fear as a result of last week's message and prayer? Anybody? Besides me? Okay, apparently it was just for me last week. Yeah, apparently the whole service. Okay, well, I got a couple other hands raised. Like, we're af- you're free from fear. Why are you afraid to raise your hand this morning? Come on. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And that's exactly it. You're who I want to talk to today. Because how many people walked out of this room last Sunday and were feeling so good? Because fear is a dark place. And fear is a heavy weight to carry. And I walked out of here last Sunday light and in the light. It was like all of a sudden my eyes had been opened, not because I'd never knew I was a worrier or not because I'd never heard messages on fear, but because I really, I had, my eyes were open to see that I had come into agreement with a life of fear. And I realized how heavy that weight was to the point of, I really believe that's where anxiety, um, and panic attacks come from because we're so used to pressing down all the fears. We're taking them in and we're just, uh, uh, let me push it down, push it down, push it down until something totally unrelated can happen and all the fear just comes out because we can't hold it in. We've stuffed it in like, you know, you're stuffing the stuff in the kitchen trash can, you know, because nobody wants to take the trash bag out. And you just keep pushing it down and pushing down. It's like, you feel pretty, I feel pretty successful. I'm really good at getting it 
pushed down in there so that the next person that comes along, they're going to have to be the one to put. I'm just telling on myself all day today. That's what I'm going to do. But eventually it all comes out. And it's usually not just the thing you placed on top, right? All of a sudden, all of it starts pouring out. That's what it's like when we push down fear. But I'm here to declare and proclaim to you today as my witnesses that I am no longer a slave to fear. I will no longer be controlled by fear. Now, does that mean fear goes away when we've been set free? No. Fear is ever-present. and something that we're always going to have to deal with. But you've been, you're now fighting from a place of victory, not fighting for your victory. So now we're just fighting to hold on to that victory. And that's a lot easier than trying to get out of it from the beginning. We're just going to stay in it. We're just going to stay out of fear. We're going to stay in truth. And it, the way we do that is we've got to have some strategies. We've got to have a battle plan. We've got to have some weapons at our disposal. You know, he told us to put on the whole armor of God, right? We're not just having defensive weapons, but actually offensive weapons to use. Particularly the sword of the spirit, which is spirit, which is the truth, the word of God. And my prayer this year, I felt like very strongly from the beginning of this year, and it makes total sense to me now, has what's been ringing in my spirit and what I've been praying is, Lord, let the spirit of truth reign over our home. Let the spirit of truth reign over our home. Let the spirit of truth reign over our church. We need the truth because knowing the truth is what helps us recognize a lie. When you know the truth, you'll recognize a lie. And fear is always a lie because God did not give us the spirit of fear. So if you're feeling afraid, that is not from God. It's a lie. But the only way that we can combat the lie is with the truth. We got to have some weapons. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it tells us, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. I mean, I believe with all my heart that fear is his favorite weapon to use with all of us. And so we spent the last couple of years, like Pastor John was talking about, going through this pandemic, constantly being bombarded with fear, even fear that wasn't reasonable or real. But we were consumed. We were afraid to get the vaccine. We were afraid not to have the vaccine, right? We were afraid to stay home for too long, but we were afraid to go out in public. Like, we were afraid of so many things that all of a sudden, we didn't even realize, like I had experienced in my own life, fear just became a natural, normal part of our lives. And if you are a child of God, which I believe that every person sitting in the seats in this room at the sound of my voice is a child of God, if you've asked Jesus to come into your heart, you are his child, and fear is not a normal way of life for the children of God. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Children of God, for you did not res receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. 
So I want to talk to you that are in this room this morning that's like, yeah, I felt so free when I left this building last week and then I spent all week long being afraid. I woke up Monday morning to fear. Are my kids, I'm sending my kids to school. Are they going to be okay? Fear. Things are going tough at my job, whatever the case might be. Am I going to keep this job? I'm afraid. But let's make the decision and the declaration today that I am going to walk away from fear for good. Do not allow yourself to become entangled again with fear. We're going to talk about how do we do that. That sounds all great, Jenny, but like, you know, these things are still reality. They're still happening. There's still things that I have to face, but you don't have to face them afraid. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I love that he put, was the word indeed really necessary? Yeah, it was. Because he was like, I don't want you just to be free. Like, I want you to be free, free. Okay, like really free. Free, free. Like he had, indeed means to emphasize what you just said. It's like he's saying it twice. Okay, I want you to be free, free. Not just a little bit free, all the way free. I don't know how you'd be just a little bit free, but what I'm saying is he said, indeed, you are free indeed. You don't have to be entangled again with the bondage of fear. So I want to take us to a man in the Bible who was struggling with fear and see what God said to him, because maybe that can give us a little bit of help today. Like, okay, I left here like, oh yeah, it's so great. I don't have to be free. I can be free. I don't have to be afraid anymore and immediately wake up with the same anxiety that you were feeling before Sunday. When we, we're going to read about Gideon this morning, okay? I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. We're going to Judges chapter 6, and we're going to hang out there for a little bit. Are you with me this morning? Yeah? Okay, your neighbor is looking a little sleepy, so can I get you to just, you know, if you know them, you can shake them real hard, but if you don't know them, just gently tap them on the shoulder, okay, this morning. I want us to be awake for the Word of God this morning. It can be life changing for you. Maybe you don't struggle with fear. Okay, well, maybe this message isn't for you today, but there's a lot of us in this room that struggle with fear. And if you're not struggling with it today, I guarantee you it's coming because it's the enemy's favorite tactic to get us to stop looking at God and start looking at our circumstances. And that's where we get into trouble every time. And that's what got the children or the the Israelites, the nation of Israel in trouble yet again, when we enter in to Judges chapter 6. They had taken their eyes off of God. They had become comfortable with where they were living, right? They had become comfortable with and acquainted with and too familiar with the things of the world. God had told them, don't make idols. And what do they do? They got idols sitting in their front yard now. They're having drinks with the other people in the nation that are unholy and ungodly. They're taking on the lifestyle of everybody else because things are going good for them. It's like, we're not struggling with oppression here. We're living in freedom. This is great. You know what I mean? Like, everything's going good. And all of a sudden, it's kind of like when you're have something terrible happen like a worldwide pandemic. And all of a sudden, people want to come to church. I mean, for a while there, they were telling us we couldn't come to church. But 
Everybody's like, okay, I need Jesus right now because the world is falling apart. And then 2023 rolls around and like the government is officially declaring the pandemic is over. Not that COVID has gone away, but the pandemic is over. All the rules and the restrictions aren't required anymore and everybody's back to work and people are coming back to church and kids are back in school and we're feeling good. Kind of like Israel. Like God, it was great when we needed you in that crisis that you were there for us. Thank you so much, but we got it from here. It was great when you were there for us in the middle of the pandemic, but you know what? Maybe I don't need to go to church every week. Maybe I don't need to read my Bible every day or pray every day, you know, just on Sunday, you know, we'll pop up, maybe just turn the TV on and eat our breakfast and watch church from there. Or, you know, maybe I'll come once a month and fill the seat up because I'm doing good now. So thank you, Lord. And that's where the children of Israel were. They forgot who they were. Like we are God's sons and daughters. That means that we live different. You know, I'm not under this same government instead of rules. I'm under a higher government instead of rules. I'm from the kingdom of heaven. And that doesn't mean I'm better than everybody else. That's not what I'm talking about. But it means that I'm going to live differently, set apart. He said, be holy as I'm holy. Holy just means being set apart. And so... We come in chapter 6, Judges chapter 6, verse 1, and it says this, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Okay, you need to know who the Midianites are. They are an evil people. They are a powerful people, and they used all that evilness and powerfulness to oppress all the Midianites. I'm sorry, all the Israelites. And so... Every time the harvest would come around each year, these uh, Midianites would come in and they would steal all the crops, all the harvest for themselves. And anything that they couldn't, it's Bible says anything they couldn't carry away, they destroyed. So they didn't even leave the stuff for the Israelites that they could have, uh, that they couldn't even take with them. They wanted to make sure that they were going to destroy the Israelites or just use them so they could get, they didn't have to do the work. And so this leads us into where we meet up with Gideon. Now, most of you probably know the story of Gideon, how God used him with 300 men to destroy the Midianites. The Midianites numbered over 100,000. It was 300 men against like 135,000 of these Midianites. And yet Gideon and his 300 men with God's intervening, intervention, destroyed the Midianites. Wow. But when we first, when when Gideon first comes on the scene, he's not looking so powerful or mighty or great, right? We find him in Judges chapter six. Let's start with verse six. It says this. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Oh, I'm glad that it only took you seven years to cry out. I'm glad that it only took until you were starving to death to cry out to the Lord. They had forgotten who they were. God's sons and daughters. 
verse 7, when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. Any parents in the room like feel that just like totally how God was talking to them? Like, (laughs) I told you 500 other times, you know, don't do that. You're going to end up like this. And yet they do it anyway. (sighs) Verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizar. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press, bottom of a wine press, to hide the grain from the Midianites. He was hiding when the Lord came to find him. So he was afraid. So afraid that he was doing a job underground that you normally would do outside. He was threshing wheat. And no, I am not an agricultural expert of biblical times. I've just heard a lot of people preach on this set of scriptures before. Threshing of wheat is done outside, usually up high, like on a hill where the wind blows because they need the wind to separate the wheat from the chaff, the good stuff from the bad stuff. Did you hear that? They need the wind to separate the good from the bad. The wind, like the spirit of God. But he was too afraid to be outside, so he's doing it himself. How many times do we try to fix things in ourselves without the help of the Holy Spirit? So he's underground because he's afraid and he's doing this job that he's supposed to be doing outside with the help of the Holy Spirit or the wind, excuse me. And that's where the angel of the Lord finds him. And this is what the angel says, verse 13. No, 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, I like the NLT version, it says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. He sure ain't looking like a hero at this point. Like, I'm afraid to even, you know, eat my food outside. I got to do it underground. I am hiding because I am so afraid. And I love Gideon, without missing a beat, comes back at him quickly and says, Sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Isn't that just the way when the Lord's like, I need you to go and do this? And we're like, what are you talking about? Where you been all this time when my kid's been messing up and the bank account is so low I can't even read the number? Where were you when things were falling apart in my life? Didn't they say... Oh, and where are all the miracles of our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, and I'm thinking, Gideon just came at you with a whole bunch of questions. Aren't you ready to address those questions? Like, aren't you ready to tell him exactly why all of this happened? But he completely ignores everything that Gideon said. And he says, and the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites 
I am sending you. Go with the strength you have. You're so concerned about the things that you don't have. You're so concerned about all the the things that have happened to you. You're so concerned about how you got hurt in your last church, so you're afraid to get involved with the dream team here because you might get hurt again. You're afraid to really get connected because you've been hurt. You were hurt. You're, you're complaining about the hurt in your relationships. You're complaining about all the things that have happened that have hurt you. And God's like, I'm not addressing any of that. Right now, we got something we need to do. Like there's a whole nation starving. And you're sitting here telling me about how hurt you were. Go with the strength you have. Quit worrying about what you don't have. Go in the strength you do have. And rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, he's still. But Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. So not only is he talking about all the hurt that he's been through now, it's like, well, I'm not qualified. I, I can't do that. I don't know enough. I haven't been trained. I, I, I'm not prepared enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not. He has all the reasons. And God's still like, go in the strength you have. Like, you may not have all the other qualifications, but you got this one, faith. Like, you just believe me. You choose to believe me, that's enough. That's what you got. Let's go with it. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. There's a lot of things when I was growing up that I thought I couldn't do, but if my mama came with me, I knew I could do it. Like, my daddy came with me. It's like, okay, let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you want to try out for softball? Okay, well, mom, can you take me? Dad, can you take me? Like, there's something that happens when you realize the Lord God is with you. And I feel like that's all it took for Gideon. It was like all of a sudden, it was like, okay, all right. Go in the strength I have because he's going to be with me. And whatever I don't have, the Lord will make up the difference. That's all he needed to know. He didn't need all the answers to all his questions about why, 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 why. He didn't need, you know, to go out and get an education real quick or go get strong real quick or go whatever real quick. He just needed to know God was with him. He was not alone in this. What you have, church, sons and daughters, in case you forgot, sons and daughters of God, what, what you have is enough because he's with you. You got God. You got God on your side. It, it, maybe you're sitting in uh, the room this morning, and we're going to bring this to a close but maybe you're sitting in the room this morning and you're thinking about the things that God has asked of you that you haven't done yet, like maybe leading a growth group this summer. In a few weeks, you're going to have an opportunity to sign up to become a growth group leader. And the Lord put that on your heart, but you're like, I'm new here. Like, people don't know me. They won't, you know, come to my group. You're like, I, I've... I don't know the word. You might be thinking, my life is really busy right now. I don't really have the time to do it, you know, and, and I get it. We're all busy. You might be using the excuse, you know, I haven't been trained. I don't know um, the word enough. You might be thinking, my life is really like imperfect right now. I'm not sure I'm ready to let people into my home to see 
exactly, you know, they're going to see, you know, where the dog chewed up the side of the couch. They're going to see, you know, my kid screaming and telling me no when I tell him to go do something. They're going to see my, all my imperfections. And God's like, you got a house? Go in the strength you have. Just open the doors. Just invite people. It's okay. God is with you and he'll make up the difference. Okay? Young person, maybe you're sitting in here this morning and you're like, the Lord kind of put it on my heart to, you know, start a prayer group during lunch at school or or a Bible study after school or whatever the case might be. And you're like, but I'm really shy. So I'm probably not the person to do it. I'll just pray that God sends somebody else. And God's like, you know how to pray? Go in the strength you have. And I'll, make, I'll be with you. I'll make up the difference. I'll bring other people alongside you to do it with you. You don't have to do this by yourself. Just go on the strength you have because I am with you. Maybe you're, you're here this morning and you're like, I've been hesitating to join the dream team, to get connected here, to, to join a group or to join an area of ministry to serve in because I'm shy or... I've never done this before, you know, neither did anybody else before they joined up, you know? And God is saying, go in the strength you have. I think what it is, there's people in this room, I truly believe you've got new vision and new ideas um, for new ministries that maybe we haven't uh, had here at the building. Maybe you can dance. Maybe you can, um, I don't know. See, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but you have an idea. You're like, my strength is uh, administration. My strength is being organized or my strength is, you know, all these things that aren't maybe an obvious where to get plugged in at type of thing. Well, just go in the strength you do have. Come come and see someone at the Welcome Center or the Hankins, Team Hankins, and, and let them know like, hey, you know, I'm really good at this or I'm interested in that. And believe me, I mean... The next closest thing to stepping out in ministry with God being with you is having the Hankins with you, okay? Because they know how to put a team together. They know how to get a ministry going. Like, you will not be by yourself. Just go in the strength you have. Maybe all you know to do is pray. Maybe all you know to do is clean. We got a cleaning ministry here. We got it all, y'all. Maybe you're, you're good at technology and you're like, We've got a whole production and media department that desperately needs you. They need your eye and your vision. You know, maybe you're like, I don't know how to talk to adults, but I'm kind of good at talking to kids. Well, we got a whole children's ministry, all ages, okay? Like maybe you're good with, maybe you want to start off with the little, little ones, you know what I mean? Because they don't know when you mess up. Like they just like to have fun. They're like, you know, hey, anybody that wants to come talk to me and feed me, and, you know, play a game with me. I I love you, you know? Go on the strength you have. You know, it only takes faith the size of a mustard seed to move an entire mountain. Go look it up, Matthew 17, 20. Faith the size of a mustard seed. Super tiny. We all know how the story of Gideon ends because I kind of told it in the beginning. God whittles the army down to 300 men because they had 10,000 and then God was like, that's too many. 
we need, they, they ended up at 300 and God was like, perfect, perfect. Because God likes to use the, the most unimaginable, the most, the foolish things of the world, the foolish, weak, and despised things, it says, to confound the wise. He likes to use the one that nobody thinks about. And you're like, perfect, because that's me. He likes, because then no man can take credit for it after it happens. Like, we give the credit to Gideon and the 300 men, but we're, we know they didn't do it. It was all God. It was almost like he didn't even need the 300 men, just him and Gideon alone. But he gave the privilege to 300 men to watch this miracle take place. What an honor. We're no longer slaves to fear, guys. And it's our job to stay free. Like it's his job, God's job to set us free. And then it's our job to stay free. Remember Pastor John talking about last week, like we gotta be careful what we're letting into our ears. I really took heart to that of the TV shows that I was watching, thinking they're harmless, even though all the time feeling a little bit on the inside, like I really shouldn't be watching this. This is so worldly. This is so, you know, scary. This is so whatever, acting as if it's not affecting me. Like we need to really sit down and, and, and look at what we're allowing. It's not just um, the news that's scary. You know, it's not just the social media where we compare ourselves. You know, I mean, there's, there's just so many opportunities for us that we could be taking in other things. We got to be careful what we're listening to. And I wanted to add something to it. We got to be careful what we allow to come out of our mouths. Power of life and death are in the power of the tongue. I found myself saying so often, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just like my mom, just a worrier. Just not realizing every time I said that, I was signing my name to the contract of fear. I'm coming in partnership with fear every time. Like it sounded funny when I was saying it and it sounded like a good excuse for why I would not trust God. But it's like, you know, we gotta be careful because every time we say something, our ears hear it. Galatians 5, verse one, I love this. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. I love that it says stand fast. It doesn't say sit back. Faith is active. Otherwise, it's dead. Faith without works is dead, the Bible says. We're not meant to just sit back. And I think that's what happened. We all got comfortable being at home, sitting back and letting the words from the news reports just come over us. Psalms 119, verse 12, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. I have inclined my heart. It didn't say I had reclined my heart. We can't get anything accomplished sitting back. We need to stand fast. I'm not gonna let things that are gonna affect my freedom enter in. And Lord, forgive me for when I have. 
Job 3.25, I think you mentioned it last week. For the, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me. We're afraid of being afraid. Fearful of fear. It's not real. You know what is real? Israel, Israel, God, his word, the truth. Don't give fear a foothold. Come at it with truth. If you want to stay free, you need to build up your arsenal. Like there's some things we need to do now. God did his part. We've been set free, like free, free, free indeed. Okay, we've been set free, but to stay free, we got to build up our arsenal, people. What does that mean? We got to sharpen the weapons. We got to have a strategy. We've got to have a battle plan. Any army that goes into battle without any kind of a plan is going to be defeated. Here's the plan. Build up your arsenal full of scriptures related to whatever you're fearful of or just fear in general. And when the enemy comes at you and says, your, your kid's in trouble. No, 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 no. When the enemy comes at you, we have something to fight back with. No, my, my children are blessed. My household is saved because I'm saved. You know, whatever the scripture might be, it might be, okay, I'll just give you what Lionel and I have been struggling with a little bit over the last several months. There's been this fear that has tried to come in and tell us that, you know, you're, you get to a certain age and you start wondering, are my best years behind me? Is anything, do we have anything really good to look forward to? You know, or is God gonna really bless us with the things that we've been asking him for? Because we've been asking for a long time for this and for that. And the scripture, when those fears come in, the scripture that I've been fighting back with is... No good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. There's a time in my life when I struggled greatly and I still struggle with the fear of what people think of me, like even right now. Do they think what I'm saying is okay? Do I look all right? I'm sweating a little bit. You know, trying to not think about all those things or worried about what do they think of me? Don't sit here and act like you never thought about it. Don't sit here and act like you never changed your personality to try to fit in with somebody else to be liked ever in your life. And the thing that the Lord told me to say every time that lie would come in is, I am too busy to worry about what people think about me because I'm too busy trying to hear from heaven. That was literally it. Like, that's my go-to. I'm too busy to worry about what you think about me because I'm too busy trying to hear what heaven is saying to me. Fill up your arsenal with whatever works for you, whatever the scripture is, but do the work. Sharpen the, the sword of the spirit. Put on the whole armor of God, not just your shield of faith to try to de keep defend yourself from the enemy. No, put on the whole armor, even the offensive ones. Don't be entangled again with sin I, or with fear, which is a sin because it's, we not believe in God, we believe in the world. 
or the enemy. And I just hope that this helped somebody today because maybe you were that person that it's like, I heard what Pastor John said. I received that freedom last week, prayed over me, set me free. And then I spent the rest of the week worrying and being afraid. Listen, and the thing is, you gotta be quick at it because the enemy comes in, he's kind of subtle. He knows how to be subtle when he wants to be. And the thing is, is that immediately cut that off. Bible tells us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. But listen, you gotta be in your word because if you don't know the word, you don't know the truth and then the truth can't set you free. The truth can't protect you if you don't know the truth. Can we stand to our feet this morning? If you're not sure of some scriptures that uh, might help you to build up your arsenal today, listen, go to the Welcome Center. There's people there that would be happy to help you. They may not know. Okay, don't put it on them. They're like, give me a scripture right now. You know, They might have to spend some time looking up too. Or they might tell you where to turn. Like, just Google it. Like, there's been a lot of times when I'm like, Lord, I need a scripture specific to my situation. And I just can't think of anything specific. And I'll just type it into Google. You know, freedom from, you know, being afraid or whatever. And Bible verses, you know, about fear. And you'll be just amazed at what Pastor Google will come up with for you. A whole list of scriptures. Like we have so much technology at our fingertips and we're using it to look at, you know, watch other people's not real lives on Instagram and Facebook. And I know Facebook's for old people like me, but whatever the case. Actually, no. I am not old because the Lord is renewing my youth. See, that's another thing. We start getting older and we start feeling the aches and the pains, you know, Lionel and I getting up in the morning, it's, it's, it would be pretty funny if you guys could see it. You know, we're both like, oh, oh, crack, 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 crack. You know, my back, my, my hip, my whatever the case might be. And it's so easy to just to say flippantly things like, yeah, this is what getting old looks like. I'm just getting old. And it sounds funny. And you're like, Jenny, is it really that serious? No, yeah, it is. Because I want to be healthy and strong and energetic for the rest of my days. So I can accomplish as much as possible for the Lord while I'm still on this earth. So no, I'm not getting old. The Lord is renewing my youth. Yeah, the number is going up, but he is restoring my youth. Amen. Be careful what you say out of your mouth. Be careful what you put inside your ears. Young people, I know it's hard. All the popular music, all the popular movies, everything. It's full, of a, it's full of a bunch of junk, unfortunately. Make the choice to build yourself up and not become entangled with fear again. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you this morning, God, for your word. You're such a good God. You're such a good God, and we thank you for opening up our ears to heaven to hear what heaven has to say. Thank you for opening up the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened, God, to see the things that we've been accepting as normal. 
And thank you, Lord, for convicting us when we say things out of our mouth that are contrary to your word and to the truth. Make us aware, spirit of truth, reign over this church, I pray. Invade every space, God. Help us not to be comfortable or accepting of the things that are actually tearing us down rather than building us up, God. And I thank you that your people, we just make the choice right now to distance ourselves from the spirit of fear. We just choose to link up with the spirit of truth, God. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you right now for freedom from fear. Any residue of fear that's remaining in this place, in the hearts and in the minds of your people, God, I just command it to leave now in Jesus' name. And I thank you that we're walking in true freedom, God, that we're really free, free. We're free indeed. No more bondage. No longer slaves, God. I just thank you for it.